Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, Trevor Lawrence. What do we know about the quarterback the Cardinals will face on Sunday? What's he doing right? Where has he struggled through the first two games of his NFL career? Perhaps no one is better equipped to answer those questions than Isaiah Simmons, Lawrence's former teammate. Then again, maybe not. Also, Vance Joseph is not happy. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 471, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grigalou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! Here's Craig Grigalou and Mike Jarecki. So we always look for storylines ahead of a game. Coaches, players, they look at film. We look at storylines. Two main storylines, and both revolve around Trevor Lawrence. The first, MJ, Kyler Murray, Trevor Lawrence. A couple of the first overall draft picks. And what we experienced, what now, two years ago, is what the Jaguars are experiencing here in 2021. And that is, you get it off to a little bit of a rough start. You, everything goes well in high school. Everything goes well in college. And then all of a sudden, you hit the pro level and you realize that, yeah, things operate at a much faster speed in the National Football League. I'll say this, though. You know, Kyler Murray, because he was drafted in baseball and he came on late, but Trevor Lawrence, they've been clamoring for this guy over the last two or three years and, you know, obviously a very successful career. Uh, But also he's going to a franchise that, you know, they won game one last year and they haven't won since. So it's, it's a work in progress, but... You know, everyone's pointing out, you know, Trevor Lawrence and his stats after two games. Kyler Murray was in the same boat. Now, in week two, they went to Baltimore. So you had the Detroit game, overtime. Then they go to Baltimore, and they they hung in there. But, I mean, I looked at the numbers. They're very similar. I mean, they're both in the 50s when it comes to completion percentage. Kyler was sacked eight times. Um, He did have a couple touchdowns. I think uh, Lawrence is still – waiting to get they don't have a rushing touchdown correct correct in fact Lawrence has more interceptions than touchdowns he's only been sacked twice and the narrative with him out of Jacksonville and I had an opportunity to speak with John Osier of Jaguars.com for this week's team to team presented by Microsoft Teams that'll be posted up on azcardinals.com if not on Thursday at some point ahead of the game on Sunday but when you look at just what Lawrence is going through and the fact that, as we talked about, very successful in high school and in college. MJ, he lost two games in 54 high school games, two games in 40 college games. His NFL career, he's off to an 0-2 start. And the question that we had ahead of Kyler Murray coming here was, you're so successful, how do you handle losing? How is it going to be because you're not going to go undefeated? It just doesn't happen in the NFL. And in speaking with John Osher, he said Trevor Lawrence is saying all the right things. He's calm. He's composed. He understands the position he's in as the face of the franchise and also that, hey, things aren't going well right now. He's not discouraged. He's not frustrated. It's just parts of the maturation and the growing process that Trevor Lawrence and this young Jaguars team with a very young head coach in terms of NFL experience in Urban Meyer, that this is just parts of the process. Now, no one likes it 
but that's just where they're at at this point. Yeah, and you look at some of the uh, young quarterbacks uh, that are starting from week one. I mean, I think Mac Jones went to a perfect team. You know, I think he passes the eye test. Zach Wilson, I mean, uh, to me, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, starters from day one, uh, they got to get better with their rosters. I mean, there's a reason why they brought in Robert Sale. Okay, there's a reason why they hired, you know, Urban Meyer and Trent Belke, who done a good job with the San Francisco 49ers. He's the GM, but you just can't make these wholesale changes. Plus, they got to make it a destination for free agents in the future. But you know, you look, Lawrence has thrown the ball 84 times, 20, 42 for 84, 50 percent. 450 yards, four touchdowns, five interceptions, sacked only twice. Kyler Murray, going back to last year, he threw the ball 54 for 94, 57%, two touchdowns, one interception, sacked eight times. So this is what happens when you go to a team that has the first pick in the draft. And, you know, everyone's clamoring for Justin Fields. We'll see. I mean – when he was in there, he struggled. Um, and then you just look around the league, you know, Trey Lance is in a really good spot, more of a gadget guy, I assume. But there's a reason why these teams draft these franchise court. You just got to make sure you hit on them. But you have to be patient. I mean, nothing's going to happen overnight. So, I mean, we we dealt with Kyler Murray, and he got better as the season progressed. They were 5-10-1. Uh, but then we're always looking at that sex year, sec, second year. And then – over to since we look at Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Mayfield, third year. So I, I know what they're going through, but I don't know if that roster is, has enough talent to compete for four quarters week in and week out in the NFL. And they're already talking about Thursday's game. Yeah, it is a short week, a quick turnaround for the Jaguars from Sunday to Thursday night football. And it's funny, I, I smiled when you said patience because it's very easy to say the word it's much more difficult to actually execute and do what that word means. People aren't patient in this day and age. And you can be patient in the offseason, and then once the regular season hits, it's like, all right, let's go. I mean, we need to see some wins or some, some validation on what we are doing on the football field. And we had the same conversations two years ago when Kyler Murray was the number one overall draft pick. But looking at the history of Kyler Murray against current teams with quarterbacks selected number one, it's not a very good record. 1-5-1. One, now, if you want to throw in Cam Newton, again, I said current teams, then it's 1-6-1. One, and, one. and three of those five losses to Jared Goff and company with the Rams. We'll see what happens this year. Stafford. Of course, the one win is Baker Mayfield. And Stafford beat him? Yes. And, and Lamar, well, Lamar was a first-round pick. First-round pick. Not, I'm talking about number one two, overall yeah. picks. Yeah, right. it's, it's, it hasn't been good. But certainly there is the opportunity here this week to get another one. And we know the quarterbacks don't face one another, but that is something that people talk about because that is the headline on the marquee. Week three, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. And, you know, on paper, well, it's true actually, it's not on paper, Kingsbury has more NFL experience as a head coach than Urban Meyer, who was so successful in college, and we know he won championships, and you know he was able to recruit there where Kingsbury was you know, in the state of Texas, a little bit different at Texas Tech unless you want to throw the ball. So it's interesting that Kingsbury has more NFL experience as a head coach. Of course, Urban Meyer just took the job a few months ago. By the way, why don't you let everyone know what was, if they haven't already heard it or seen it, what NFL Films captured in a conversation last week between Urban Meyer and Vic Fangio. 
Well, Fangio let the cat out of the bag, and then all of a sudden they had that boom, Mike. And Fangio said, I, I've never met Urban Meyer. I got a chance to talk to him before the game and after the game. And since it was a boom, Mike, over there, he basically said that, you know, every week it's like playing against Alabama. <laughs> it Alabama would not be an NFL team. No, and I understand that that sometimes gets part of the conversation over the past couple of years and maybe even this year, but – it is because Alabama is head and shoulders above everyone else. And now all of a sudden, you're looking around the National Football League. Even if you're not good, you're still great as far as the talents on your football team with respects to an NFL roster. So, Trevor Lawrence and Kyler Murray, that is the first storyline. And then the other storyline involving Trevor Lawrence is Isaiah Simmons. And this is going to be fascinating because after two seasons as teammates at Clemson, 2018 and 2019, they won a national championship in 2018, Lawrence's first season. They beat Alabama that year. Runners up to LSU the following season. But there was just a little bit, I'm trying to, trying to paint the picture because when Isaiah Simmons spoke this week and he was asked a lot of questions about Trevor Lawrence and yeah there were teammates but now all of a sudden he's defense and Lawrence's offense but they're just I think of any game this season Simmons is really looking forward to this matchup because he he can never hit him in practice exactly he had a smile on his face (laughs) and the fact that you know when you're when you're the quarterback you are untouchable literally untouchable during the week don't even get close. Don't even breathe on him. And Simmons joked about that. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't do anything. And there was, without saying anything, and there was no bulletin board material or anything like that, but you could just tell that if he gets close, you know he's going to try to bring him down for the first time ever. Not to injure, not to harm, anything like that. Just bragging rights. But just that, and that big hit, exactly. Bragging rights to say, I got gotcha. you. Finally. Yes. We're no longer teammates. <laughs> and he, he did say, he kind of joked with him uh, in the offseason where, hey, maybe I can get a pick, uh, maybe I can get a sack, uh, maybe you can get a touchdown, paraphrasing. But, uh, no, it, that's good because, you know, if you look at the Clemson roster, yes, they've had a ton of people drafted in the NFL, but you're talking about the, you know, the eighth overall pick and the first pick, and, and and they've done a great job. You know, maybe they're not the same team this year because of all the players they lost, but I'm sure they had a lot of great times going to these bowl games and playing in big games, and and that's where the chemistry comes because on that side of the ball, he was a stud, and on the other side of the ball, it was Isaiah Simmons, at least for that final year when he was in college. Yeah, those two seasons that they were together were unbelievable years. It's just unfortunate that last season they weren't able to finish back-to-back national championship runs, losing in the title game to LSU. But I did find it interesting, and, and maybe this is, again, going back to that storyline conversation, because whenever someone comes back to a team or faces their former team or their former opponents, and all of a sudden we want we want to know, all right, what are you saying in the locker room? Are you helping out your teammates, whether it's on offense or defense? Are you giving an advice? How do you handle this particular player? How do you handle this particular team? You were there for so many years. You've got insight in what they do. You've got insight on what this guy does and does not do well. And to hear Simmons say, yeah, you know what? No one's asked me anything about Trevor Lawrence. And I think that's what we as fans in the media get caught up in these storylines where coaches just say, what am I seeing on film? 
yeah, there's sometimes some tendencies, maybe some a little bit of an opinion, but coaches rely so much on film and on tape that it might not mean anything. Like Simmons can say, you know what, Trevor Lawrence really likes to do this. This is his tell. And I don't even know if he has one, and he might not even have a tell. But it is funny on how much we kind of dive into these topics and coaches just like you know what I watch what I see on film and that's what I go off of not what someone might say because they knew him played with him or played against him in the past well if if you're a player in that secondary on the defense I, I would definitely think you'd walk by him and ask questions I mean if you're Marco Wilson what is his tendencies you know if you're Robert Alford or Byron Murphy or Buda Baker I, I want to know I mean I get the coaches because sometimes they can tell you stuff and, and the film doesn't add up to it. Now, it's only a small sample. He did play in, in the preseason. So did you go back to Clemson plays? Because you got to figure they're installing a brand-new offense. But if I'm a player on that side of the ball, I want to know as much as I can. And then if in the first quarter, if it's a little bit different, then you just go by with the – clearly you're sticking to the game plan. But as a player – I think I want to know some of his tendencies. And that was something that we had asked about J.J. Watt week one against Tennessee. How many times he's played the Titans and his numbers. Very good numbers against the Titans. He's got great numbers against the Jaguars as well. 17 sacks in 16 games. Watt says, yeah, he's offering as much advice or as much opinion as he can on the Jaguars. A little bit different there because, yeah, there might be some players that he's familiar with, but it's a brand new coaching staff. And yeah, Daryl Bevel... The OC there has been around, Vikings, Seahawks, Lions, etc. But with a new head coach who comes from the college ranks, what are they going to do? You really only have two weeks worth of film to watch, and maybe you dig deep into what he did at Florida or Ohio State or maybe even Utah, but it's more difficult. But it, again, we all like these numbers, and DeAndre Hopkins has so many yards, receptions, uh, touchdowns against certain opponents. And well, definitely the division they were in for the last yes. seven to ten years. And it's it's just it sets up well this year right. that for Watt and Hopkins, the Cardinals have the AFC South. And two out of the three games is against the South. Yes. Now, Schottenheimer's on that staff also. Brian Schottenheimer spent some time in Seattle. They, they moved on from him. George Warhop, former offensive line coach with the Cardinals, uh, he's on the staff. And a former defensive player that played here, Tony Gilbert, He's assistant linebackers coach. Now, uh, Marvin Jones played for Daryl Bevel at Detroit. So that was one he he went to bat for and brought him in, and, and they scored a touchdown on that first possession, I want to say. Oh, oh, Shaughnessy made a great catch. He's out this week. Yeah, but they have intel. But I listened to Urban Meyer's coach's show, and he said, we're still trying to figure out the wide receiver position. And, he, and he's based on routes, and then you hear that, you know, maybe Lawrence is overthrowing on the sidelines. He said, we're still working in progress. They really want to try to run the football. But, um, you know, it's – he just basically said, you know, we're trying to do things. He said, I never pop on the headset, but I think Bevel needs to know we want to run the football. He goes, it, we're so new, we're only in week two. I don't want to step on their toes when it comes to the coordinators, but I do have the ability to say let's run the ball. So he's saying right now I don't want to get too involved, but the more you lose, it comes back to him. Just like it came back to Kingsbury's first year. Exactly. When you're the head coach, you're in charge, even if you delegate certain responsibilities to other parts of your coaching staff. But offensively, this Jaguars team, again, small sample size, but this is what we're going off of. They've scored the third fewest points in the AFC, zero rushing touchdowns to your points, and then running the football more. 
16 carries for 76 yards in week one, 16 carries for 75 yards in week two. Now, a lot of this is because they're trailing and you have to throw the ball to get back into these contests and you hope that that sometimes hits and becomes effective. But they believe, at least through two games, that Trevor Lawrence is trying to do too much, which is not a surprise. They has been very successful on the deep shots, but they want him, instead of looking always upfield, check down a little bit, be a little bit more patient, maybe some scoring drives that are 8-plus as opposed to the home runs and trying to get into the end zone as fast as possible. It's interesting because that's exactly what I heard on his coach's show. The, the host asked him, you know, you, you got a young guy and, and you guys are trying to get some splash plays, but would, would it be a better option for him to check it down? And he said, yeah, that's part of the learning process. That's what we're working through with him because he does have the arm strength. So that's exactly what Urban was asked. And he said, because the guy made two reference where there were guys open in the flat and he and still wanted to throw the ball down the field. Now, they did get a kickoff return for 102 yards. I want to say it was in the fourth quarter, so they did get the – they were able to chew into the lead, but he thought if they could have made another stop, the game could have been a little bit closer. Again, um, they did, they scored on their first possession, then they got a 102 kickoff return for a touchdown. I think it was the fourth quarter. So, you know, that's how you're going to have to flip field position. You get a special teams touchdown, you get a pick six, uh, you sack the quarterback – they're going to have to create more possessions just based on their not being able to move the football. And if you can't run the football in the NFL, it's going to be a long day. Lawrence on that opening drive last week against the Broncos, 5 of 7 for 73 yards and a score. He was just 9 of 26 for 45 yards and two interceptions the rest of the game. Now, is that the Broncos understanding what Lawrence is doing and making the adjustment, and you hope the Cardinals do the same? Or to your point again, Trevor Lawrence is being asked to do too much or as like any young quarterback feels like the burden is on his shoulders to get this team up and down the field, score points, and ultimately get that first win. And listening to everyone this week, from Isaiah Simmons to J.J. Watt to Vance Joseph, even Marcus Golden earlier in the week, they all recognize the talents of Trevor Lawrence, the arm talent. Vance Joseph referenced the deep shots. He's hit on each or he's hit at least one deep shot each of these first two games. There's no question Trevor Lawrence has the talents. The question is, MJ, when do we see that talent? When does that first game that everyone says, oh, yeah, that's the reason he's the number one overall pick? We hope it's not this week. Well, absolutely not. But he actually admitted in his press conference that he thought the game was slowing down for him. I mean, that's only two weeks. So, and and let's give credit to the Broncos, even though Teddy Bridgewater, you know, he's a guy that if he doesn't make mistakes and, and they got a lot of weapons on the outside, the running game with Williams and, and Melvin Gordon, their secondary is very good. I mean, they, they you know, I mean, that, that's Fangio's background and they get pressure from Chubb and, and Vaughn Miller. So, you know, the fact it's not like they went against a team that was st- with a you know new coach. Fangio's in kind of the boat. He's got to win this year, and you know obviously they made a decision with Teddy Bridgewater. So the Broncos do have a good defense. So that was a good test for them. But I don't know if they have the same speed that the Cardinals team as a whole has. I mean, I think Tennessee added speed in the offseason. I think the Cardinals have added speed. Now they lose Travis Etienne. Um, and he was going to be a—he was going to be their splash guy. He's going to be catching passes out of the backfield, and, and he's out for the year. So that really hurt 
what they wanted to do offensively. And I want to get into that as far as the running back position and the offensive line. Two points of emphasis here for the Cardinals as they look to take on or look to go 3-0 and against the Jacksonville Jaguars here in Week 3. Again, it is at a 10 a.m. kickoff Arizona time. 5.30 a.m. pregame coverage begins as we talk about that matchup here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Let's touch on what Vance Joseph had to say with respects to the run game. It's each and every week you got to stop the run. you got to make your opponent one-dimensional. They want to get Trevor Lawrence into passing situations, obvious passing downs. But you look at what the Jaguars do running the football, early on much better, but then when they trail, they have to throw the football. James Robinson, very good a year ago as an undrafted rookie free agent. And Carlos Hyde is now in the backfield. Cardinal fans remember him for the 49ers, eight games against the Cardinals. He's got four career rushing touchdowns. But yes, the loss of Travis Etienne is certainly a major factor in this rushing offense. But don't discount James Robinson and his ability not only to run the football, but to catch the ball out of the backfield. Yeah, and... I get the um, impression, based on Kingsbury, when he did his uh, media availability, it could have been on uh, Luke and uh, Wolf's show also, is that when they watch the film, they know there's a lot of things to clean up. And it's really about gap discipline, staying in your gaps. So that's something to look for in the first quarter because it's on film how they got gashed last week with Delvin Cook. And this is a good back. He's not a household name, plus he plays in the, you know, the AFC, so you really don't hear about him. We only play this team every four years home and away after eight years so yeah I mean I clearly you got to think that they watch the film and it's really about winning your one-on-one matchups but also staying within the frame of the defense and they're big on early downs so if they can you know like they started the uh, Titans game now again tackle for losses etc but if you can get them first down maybe one or two yards now it's second and eight and if it's third and seven, all of a sudden that becomes more of a passing down. And that's where Vance can bring in his different packages to put pressure on a young quarterback. So, yeah, it all starts uh, with stopping the run. And, um, you know, I was disappointed the way they came out based on the, the validation, how they played against the Titans. First game, week one, first play, tackle for loss by Chandler Jones on Derrick Henry. First play, week two, Dalvin Cook, 11-yard run. And that set the tone. We talked about week one, Chandler Jones setting the tone. Week two, Dalvin Cook set the tone, and the defense was back on its heels the rest of the first half. To the point that Vance Joseph, quote, the gap integrity in the first half was awful. Coach Joseph was not a happy man, still not a happy man when he addressed the media on Thursday. I expect a much different looking, more intense defense, especially along that defensive line, come Sunday. Second play, touchdown. True. And that was, you know, they studied it, but, you know, you got you to gotta give Minnesota credit. They saw something on film, and, and Billy Murphy's supposed to peel out, but he got there late, and then clearly was a, he was wide open. So the second play of the game off an 11-yard run kind of set that up because they were geared to stop the run, and all of a sudden they, you know, have a pop pass, and it's for a touchdown. You look at two games defensively, Six quarters, I think this defense has been outstanding. It's those two quarters in the first half that almost cost the Cardinals a win and maybe should have cost the Cardinals a W against the Vikings. Yes, you're going to give up big plays. You just don't want to give up a lot of them. And the Cardinals too many times against the Vikings were giving up 
8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13-yard runs to Dalvin Cook. Now he is a very good running back. In fact, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, we talked about it, number one and number two in the league. Now you got James Robinson, not a household name, but still a very capable running back, and you just wonder now, what will we see defensively out of the Cardinals? You know it's been hammered home on film, in the classroom, on the football field. This defense, and I don't know so much if it's the entire front seven, MJ, or just the defensive line, but what they need to do better, whether that is get off blocks, get into their gaps, and make sure tackles, because I'd be very disappointed to see once again if in that first quarter, even the first play, that a James Robinson or Carlos Hyde is breaking off an eight-plus yard run. Yeah, that can't happen. I mean, again... And one thing Urban Meyer said to on his coach's show, I'm glad I listened to it, gave me a lot of good uh, content here. He said, if we just want to get James to the second level. He hasn't been able to get to the second level yet. And that's meaning if you get past that first layer, and he's, he's got he's, he's got good sizes as a back. It's not like he's a, you know, I don't want to say he's a bruiser, but he's got he, he, he can run you over. But he said, we haven't gotten him to the second level yet. And again, they, they've been forced to throw the ball because they've been behind. So it would be interesting to see you know, their snap count against the Cardinals in the first half or the first quarter. And if they're able to go on some drives, that's going to play into you know, keeping Kyler Murray on the sidelines. And you got to assume it's going to be humid. Nobody likes playing in, in September in, any, in Florida, Tampa, Miami. You're going to cramp up. I think the Cardinals do a good job. They're going to leave on Friday. So you know, those are all kind of sidebar stuff. But it would be interesting to see if, if they can run the football to keep the Cardinals offense on the sidelines and the other reason if you're the Jaguars you want to run that football so well is to make sure Chandler Jones doesn't get going that was something that I think got lost immediately after the ball game it was all right Chandler Jones disappeared J.J. Watt where were they against the Vikings and Vance Joseph answered that on Thursday by saying because the Vikings were able to run the football so well on first down then all of a sudden on second and third down there was not an obvious passing down and the best way to neutralize a Chandler Jones is to run the football successfully. Vikings did, and therefore Chandler Jones had no sacks. Titans did not. Therefore, Chandler Jones had five sacks, and we're sitting there going, hey, this could be the season. This could be a record-breaking year for Chandler Jones. Still can, but now all of a sudden it goes back to not just what Chandler Jones is doing, but that entire front seven. I'm going to keep going back to the entire front seven because it's defensive line and it's the linebackers, especially the inside linebackers. You stop the run, second and long, third and long. And talking about long, that's, you know, what, five-plus yards, six-plus yards. Then all of a sudden you know what the offense is going to do, and that's when your edge rushers can pin their ears back and really get after the signal caller. Yeah, and, and, and on the other side of the coin, I'm, I'm looking at their numbers, team 32 um, – Rushes 151 yards, averaging four four seven thirteen is or long. Your opponents have 71 rushing attempts, 256, only 3.6 yards average, and two touchdowns. So it's almost double the teams that are playing in the first two weeks have doubled their rushing total. And again, that's why Trevor Lawrence is throwing the ball 84 times and he's completed 42, and that's a whopping 50 percent. When you look at the run game, you have to look at the offensive line and this Jaguars offensive line on paper, not great because if you just look at the numbers from a year ago, 44 sacks they allowed last year and all five starters returned. And there was an opportunity to upgrade, especially at the tackle position, their second round pick, Walker Little, 
was is not quite ready. In fact, he's still on the reserve COVID-19 list, so not expected to play this week. But last week against the Broncos, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb combined for one sack on 34 drop-back pass attempts. So they do have the capability to neutralize very good pass rush, which the Cardinals, we think, have. I'll say this, though. That probably lends to, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, he's probably getting rid of the ball very quick. And if you do a three- or a five-step drop and, and your receivers can get down 20 yards, that's pop. I have to look at the numbers to see that. But that's a good stat just based on, you know, it, got, it has to be more than just Chandler Jones. I True. mean, Marcus Golden and, you know, Gardick is still probably a few weeks away, but you like to see, you know, J.J. Watt or somebody from the interior and again, I'm not fixated on stats. I'm more tackle for losses, hurries, pressures, knockdowns. And let's see if we can force a couple turnovers because that would go a long way just to kind of loosen things up. And then, you know, you got to think, you know, confidence will start setting in. Here we go again. Even though he's only been there, as the, as the crowd's watching the game, again, they haven't won a football game since week one of last year. You look to see how much time Trevor Lawrence has to throw the football and we know Kirk Cousins last week was getting rid of the football a lot that pocket hardly ever collapsed but if you can get some consistent pressure on Trevor Lawrence make him think that he is feeling that rush and then dancing around in the pocket a little bit and maybe looking out of the corner of his eyes and not so much upfield at where his pass catchers are then I think you can have a lot of success, especially against this Jaguars offense. It, it goes back to what kind of pressure are you getting on the opposing quarterback. Again, week one, very, very good. Last week, not so good. For a half. Yes. It, it really started getting better after the pick six. I mean, clearly they made adjustments because we saw them moving Chandler around. They were making more plays and then being able to retain or contain Delvin Cook and then, obviously, Cousins, he threw for 150 yards, I want to say, in the first half, three touchdowns. He, as an offense, he only had three offensive points besides the pick six. So um, I think we've heard it from Isaiah Simmons. I think we've heard it from Vance Joseph. And, you know, Isaiah's a guy that can play a lot of different positions. Vance jo- Joseph is putting the game plan in, and it sounds like they want to make this team one-dimensional. And that means shut the run game down and, and see if the young quarterback can make all the throws and they may have to throw the ball 40 times, but just based on the, uh, the media session, that sounds like the game plan going in. Make them one-dimensional. We know week one, not an anomaly, but I don't expect this defense to hold teams to 13 points a game. I just, It's not realistic in this day and age, and we said as much after week one. Yet, on the flip side, now on the other side of the spectrum, we saw what happened in the first half with the Vikings and how much success they had on offense. Where is the middle ground, MJ? Where can we agree to meet as far as expectations and where the bar is for this Cardinals defense? Well, I'm looking at the first game. They lost 31-27 last week, 23-13. So they haven't really scored a lot of points. I I just think if the Cardinals um, go back and watch the film and you know they want to be a team that people are talking about for all the right reasons besides Kyler Murray and must watch TV and you know the offense is clicking um, I, I'm comfortable this team can score over 30 32 points so that takes a little pressure off the defense but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt I think they realize that you know they could have played a lot better and not put themselves in that situation last week because you know it was you know they had a ton of time this uh, focus and scout the Titans, and it's a little different when you get to the regular season. So 
I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't know if this is a true test. I guess it'll be more next week, but they are NFL players, and that's all you got to do is play the next team on your schedule. But I, I, I think they're going to respond here just based on you know, the uncertainty with a new head coach and a quarterback. That's my expectation as well. What I don't want to see, however, and this is a little tongue-in-cheek, I don't want to see Trevor Lawrence knocked out of this game for any length of time. You know why? You look at the depth chart. You look at the rest of the quarterbacks they have on the roster, MJ. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence's backup, C.J. Beathard. That's right. Oh. The same C.J. Beathard who in Week 16 yeah. at State Farm okay. Stadium led the 49ers past the Cardinals. Well, I, I, I don't know if we could put Kyle Shanahan and, and Daryl Bevel, <laughs> who's a local guy. He had, he had a great career in Seattle, and he was in Detroit. I, I did Shanahan's offense a little bit different. Yeah, again, a little tongue-in-cheek tongue I there, didn't but, know that, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. Just just an FYI there, Bird Gang. Pay attention. It's just sometimes <laughs> sometimes things, you know, you're, you're hunted by your past sometimes, and that game still haunts me, as does Week 3 against the Detroit Lions last year. Oh, listen. Still it, haunts me. It, it should. I mean, because it was a winnable game. Uh, you know, they got Matt Prater now. Hopefully that won't happen. And well, it can't because he's now on our team. <laughs> no, I know. I'm just saying in general. I mean, just the fact that they have him now. But, and then the Carolina game. Do you, do you buy into this trap? I, I, I wanted to get into that maybe on when we discuss okay. this on Friday because okay. I, that's another storyline, but that's one where – I, 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 I like what the quarterback said. I disagree with the player's perspective, but I understand why they say what they say and why we say what we say. Well, it's it's kind of interesting. They say there's no trap game, and then they remind us about the Detroit and Carolina game. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yes. You don't want history to repeat yourself, and that is something that uh, – Hey, listen. The Bucks and Rams, let those guys play to overtime. Uh, let's go Bucks, and then we'll worry about next week. But take care of business here. I don't look at the record. They're a national football team. We know the old give it any given Sunday. But bounce back from last week, and we're talking about bouncing back from a win. Absolutely. As J.J. Watt said on Thursday, much easier to make your corrections when you're 2-0 versus 0-2. Bird Gang, if you like what you hear, we invite you to subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Listen to your favorite shows on the go like Cardinals Underground, The Big Red Rage, The Cardinals Red Sea Report, The Dave Pash Podcast, and of course this show, Cardinals Cover 2. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. One last note on the defense and going back to our discussion about Isaiah Simmons. And I don't know if enough has been talked about with him on how well he has played through the first two games. The difference between year one and year two, night and day, 180 difference. It is unbelievable what Simmons is doing, even from when we saw him in training camp. Because there were several opportunities in training camp where he was being pulled off the field taken to the side and there were a lot of discussions whether it was with Billy Davis or Vance Joseph but Simmons MJ leads the team with 17 tackles 13 of them solo that's tops on the team and he is the only defender in the NFL with at least 15 tackles an interception and a forced fumble this kid is getting it done yeah, and I was bullish. I just thought, just like Zayvon Collins, they they just needed an offseason. Now, obviously, you know Jordan Hicks came back with a chip on his shoulder, and he's he's earned the right to be the starter. But it, it's a long season. There's always injuries that occur. But yeah, uh, you we, we got a chance to see flashes. And he, like I said, I don't know if it's a number with the swag, but 
and I'm not being facetious here. I, I just, he's a different player out there. I just see a different guy in the offseason workouts. Um, he's much more confident. He's much more comfortable. He knows the defense when you listen to him. Listen to what he says. I mean, he's kind of like Buddha. He, know, he knows what they're, they're trying to do against them. He, he was the first guy that said, we can't let Derrick Henry get to the second layers. And he was watching film prior to that. So, yeah, it's, sky's the limit. Um, you know, I want to see him, you know, stay healthy, but it's not going to surprise me if he's one of the leaders on this defense from a, a, a tackling and a playmaker ability because he doesn't have to just beat one guy. He can fly around and make plays, and that's what you would expect from Buda Baker and some other guys. More times than not, Simmons at the, is at the right place at the right time. He knows where he's supposed to be. He's not thinking out there. He's reacting, and I do think there is more of a comfort level. Yeah, it's year two, full off season for the first time in his career, but a comfort level in the fact that he is doing not exactly what he did at Clemson, but close to as far as being in different spots on the football field, lining along the defensive line, in the box, at the corner slot, or a deep safety position. So they're utilizing his skill sets, and he is answering that challenge to being able to say, yes, what I did in college, I can do here in the NFL. Yeah, and it's going to go week to week, and this could be the week we see all three linebackers on the field. Uh, you know, some people think maybe more against the Rams, but if they're able to run the football, we, what's uh, the strength of Zayvon Collins coming up and, and run support? He's very physical at the point of attack. As long as he keeps his eyes in the right direction, doesn't over-pursue, but there's going to be a week we're going to see all three on there, and we know the Rams can try to spread you out. And with Stafford, you got to make sure on your P's and Q's. But um, you know, Zayvon Collins is—he's ready. He's practicing hard. He's sweating when we're out there. We're only out there for the first 20 minutes, so it's not like he's just sitting there waiting for his reps. He's—he's he, he's ready when his number's called. So no concern as far as when you look at snap counts through two games that it's Hicks. Collins, and then you have to look down to find Zayvon Collins. No, because I, I always mention this when it comes to draft class. I mean, look at look at Isaiah Simmons' snaps last year. I mean, I know that Collins had the offseason. He had a couple preseason games. But, no, the, the, the idea is those snap counts go up as the season progresses. Now, if Jordan Hicks was the Jordan Hicks of last year, I would be disappointed. But Jordan Hicks is a completely different player. He's lost weight. He's in great shape. He's comfortable. He knows the defense at the back of his hand. So, you know, Rondell Moore, we'll see how many more reps he gets throughout the year. I mean, I think they want to make sure they take care of him. It's a 17-game schedule. Some of these guys couldn't stay healthy in college. So uh, we get to halfway in the season. We'll see how it progresses. But right now the team is winning. So uh, you want to develop players, especially young players. But right now the focus is on winning on Sunday. And the key word there is winning because if this team wasn't winning, then all of a sudden the narrative switches. And we're asking, you just invested a set for the second straight year a first-round pick on an inside linebacker, and he's not playing as much. Yet the discussion very early, draft night, was Zayvon Collins was going to play, play a lot, and play right away. Well, then you got to give the coaching staff credit. They know what the GM said, and the coaches said, well, he's outplayed him in camp. So, I, like I said, Kyler Murray struggled his first year, at least the first month of the season, um, you know. Uh, you, you look at, you know, obviously uh, Isaiah Simmons struggled. Uh, Byron Murphy struggled his first year. It's just, it's, 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 you got to get comfortable. And we always talk about it when you're not thinking, you can react. And sometimes it takes guys one or two years, sometimes it takes a third year. And, and I couldn't be more thrilled about the upside in Byron Murphy, the way he, he goes about his business, physical. 
Uh, they're rookies. I mean, there's a reason why, you know, you, you, you don't have like 12 draft picks because you can't expect all those guys to play every single um, game in their rookie season. Yeah. You just hope that you see a trend where they're making progress. And they like last year, what was Isaiah known for? The splash plays, the pick, the sack. That, I mean, you saw, okay, this is what he can do with a, a good amount of snaps. But you also have to earn it. And the fact that coaching staff said Jordan Hicks is a better player going into this season, we talked, Kyle Vandenbash was on this early. He said the first two games of the season, we're going to see Jordan Hicks and Isaiah Simmons. So for a guy that played the game, he's not surprised. I think when you see where he's drafted, that's the reason it comes up. But again, they're trying to win football games while trying to develop him. I am not concerned about his future. I know his work ethic. I know how smart he is, how physically he can be. He's just got to wait his turn. Small sample size, and eventually Bird Gang will get away from saying small sample size. We'll have, and I don't know what a normal sample size is, but two games does not tell you the entire story of the 2021 Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, and, and normally week one, win or lose, you see a team's, you know, make adjustments kind of like the Vikings did. I think, you know, with this year, it's usually a quarter system. You know, usually when you get to at least four games, you have a nice little sample size, and then we'll say, well, where are they at, at, at you know, after eight games? So I think really four games is a good sample size, unless you have injuries and other chan- uh, players get a chance to play. Speaking of injuries, and note on that, Bird Gang, as we continue here on Cardinals Covered two presented by Hyundai proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals good news bad news on the injury front as far as what we were able to see during the open portion of practice on Thursday the good Marco Wilson and Justin Pugh both on the practice field after neither was spotted on Wednesday in fact neither participated Pugh dealing with a shoulder injury and Wilson an ankle injury that is what he suffered in the early portion of that game against the Vikings. In fact, it was early in the second quarter, and we did not see Marco Wilson the rest of the ballgame. Very good to see Marco Wilson on the football field earlier on Thursday, and he was running around, seemed to me, going full speed, MJ. So if that ankle is an issue, it was an issue. Currently, it's not an issue. Yeah, and, and I'm assuming he's gotten treatment around the clock, and it's just nice to see him out there. You, you hate to see a young guy... Um, that gets injured early, and then it's a struggle to get back. And sometimes, you know, ankle sprains, depending if it's a high ankle sprain, they can linger. But the fact that we got a chance to see him during the open portion, he was running from drill to drill. And, and again, it gives him some great luxury. But Antonio Hamilton, I thought he played well. Number 33, he has a lot more experience, but obviously doesn't have the the skill set of Marco Wilson. No, and I'm glad you brought up Hamilton because asked about Hamilton, Vance Joseph on Thursday, quote, he made four, five big plays that no one saw but us, end quote. Meaning Hamilton was where he was supposed to be, helped, assisted, did whatever that might not have appeared in the stat sheet. But looking back at the film, Hamilton was exactly was doing exactly what he was coached to do, and that's what you like to hear. You might not see it at the end of the day, you know, no no tackles, did wasn't even on the stat sheet, but you know, sometimes it's not about your own numbers, but how do you produce in a particular play so it doesn't manufacture, you know, 10-plus, 20-plus yards? Yeah, and when Wilson went down, I, I thought Robert Alford came in and inserted himself because usually it's, you know, Murphy and then Alford possibly and then Marco Wilson. But I, I like the fact that, you know, uh, Robert Alford is very physical and, you know, he can come up and support the the run game and, you know, he has really good coverage. He can press at the line of scrimmage, so... 
you know, I know that you know you like to have five or six, even though you're only going to dress four on game day. But I like where they're at, and you can see Marco Wilson will, will make progress. But add a couple uh, veteran guys, Rasul Douglas, who's on the practice squad. You know, he was in camp, and then you add Hamilton. It just kind of settles things down where you're not relying on young players. To, to perform at a high level right away. By the way, Hamilton, once again, one of the four players that the Cardinals protected on the practice squad, Russell Douglas, not one of those four, but in addition to Hamilton, Chris Banjo, Sean Harlow, and Ross Travis, the four players the Cardinals protected this week so they can't be poached by another team ahead of this week's game against the Jaguars. Now, the bad news on the injury front for the second straight day, no Calvin Beecham, no DeAndre Hopkins, both dealing with rib injuries, and for Beecham, it's an issue that popped up early in that, or I should say midway through that game against the Vikings. In fact, after halftime, it was not Calvin Beecham, but Justin Murray that we saw at right tackle for the balance of the game against the Vikings. So we'll keep an eye on that. And, you know, not not that there's a worry with Beecham, but something just to pay attention to. Now, with Hopkins, uh, there is zero worry. We have had this discussion a lot, especially last year. For me, Hopkins doesn't need to be on the practice field at all during the week. There is walkthroughs. We're not participating or we don't get to see. And then he shows up on Sunday. It was interesting, though, that someone decided to ask A.J. Green about potentially moving from the number two wide receiver to the number one wide receiver spot this week because of Hopkins not practicing. And according to Green, quote, Hop, don't miss games. He'll be fine. That's a fact, Jack. <laughs> he doesn't. Just a matter of fact. Like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Just show up and ball out on Sunday. And well, that's what DeAndre Hopkins does. Well, basically, he's definitely in the game plan. Yeah. He's, <laughs> we will see number 10 on the football field. I'm trying to think. There is, I think, what? Why is, He's missed, it's, I think it's less than five games in his career. It might even be fewer than like I three. I only a couple. Two, yeah. one, one, they were clinched. Oh, you know what? And that's right. And one game he was inactive just because he wasn't needed. Correct. So it might have been just he's only missed one game because of injury. Yeah, maybe two at max with the inactive because they didn't need him in that Week 17 game. Yeah. No, he – listen – He's a smart guy. He takes care of his body. I mean, he, he eats the right way. He gets treatment around the clock. It's, you know, just you got to feel good when it comes to Sonny. And, and it's, it's early in the season, but I, I'll tell you, I was thoroughly impressed how much he practiced in training camp. And I think a lot of it goes to the new wide receivers coach, Sean Jefferson. So, you know, listen, these guys know their body better than anybody else. Um, as you pointed out, and AJ Green, and we learned last year, he shows up on game day. Um, and really, that's what you're paying him for, besides him being a great teammate and trying to win football games. Absolutely. Cardinals and Jaguars again, week three at Jacksonville at TIA Bank Field. 10 a.m. is the kickoff. 5.30 a.m. pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. And of course, some homework for Mike Jarecki coming up on Friday. MJ's three keys for victory. And of course, the always popular X Factor. Before we head on out of here, a reminder, episode two of Folk Tales dropped on Wednesday. It is available now on the Cardinals official YouTube channel. The night the goalposts vanish, a turning point in Cardinals history. Looking back at a week two contest, September 8th, 1997, the Cardinals snapping a 13-game losing streak to the Dallas Cowboys with a 25-22 overtime win when Kevin Butler's 20-yard field goal banked in off the left upright for the game winner. 
Folktales Episode 2, The Night the Goalposts Vanish, available now on either azcardinals.com or the Cardinals' official YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com slash azcardinals. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive director, our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.